We're on a mission from God. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Nothing says Good Friday like the Blues Brothers. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mans. <laughs> I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Glad to be there, too. Good job with that Q-tip. And we have our buddy at the board in Seattle. Of course, we're talking about bad boy Benny Mathers. Good to see you again, Benny. And I do mean see you on Zoom. This is true. It's like what we're doing these days. Uh, I feel like the uh, the days of hearing people on radio are a thing of the past. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's this whole audio thing, babe. I mean, it's special. It's shaking up the whole industry. That's you right, know, for years, I've, for years, I've been hearing one of the shows go out on KKNW that says, see you next week. And right? every time I hear that, I say to Gary, it's radio. I know. <laughs> we'll be with, it just flows better than we'll be within earshot next week. Got to roll with it. Okay, well, this is some some clowning around and I'm telling you it has to stop because we're going to talk there on a day that is attended by solemnity around the world. And and yet we're going to bring on a lady who has become a friend of ours here in Sarasota. She is a very well-respected and in the meantime, she's gaining renown in the science of mind movement among the centers for spiritual living. Reverend Teresa Fieberts is the senior minister at CSL as they are known CSL cultural coast and that means something here on the sun coast of florida here close by the gulf and she has a very lovely venue where she conducts her services when they are back and that's something we can talk about because people i think are are itching to have that brick and mortar type experience of church community and yet we have been slogging most of us through this pandemic and seeking spiritual connection wherever it may be found. That's no more relevant for a lot of us than on Good Friday. An enthusiastic student of the science of mind since 1992, Reverend Teresa Fieberts has used these principles to change her life. And as anyone can tell you, her passion is infectious, whether through prayer counseling, teaching classes, or simply being in spiritual community. Teresa delights in witnessing people's lives change in the light of truth. She exclaims, we have to pop the cork and let God out. As a 2017 graduate of the Holmes Institute and the Centers for Spiritual Living School of Spiritual Leadership, Teresa Fieberts earned her master's degree in consciousness studies and is a licensed minister of religious science, serving as minister of CSL Cultural Coast in Sarasota, Florida. So for the second time, let's say hello to Reverend Teresa Fieberts. Teresa, my dear, we're glad to have you back. Well, it's great to be here. And that's such a long introduction to say, yeah, I love life. <laughs> yeah, there that's you a, go. That's a long way to say, I love life. And you do it in a way that is the best way to be infectious during a pandemic, I might add. Yeah. So that's it, the message itself is infectious in the best possible way. And here we are talking on a day that is either celebrated or as I like to say, commemorated Good Friday in the Christian world and beyond because there is a global significance to this day. Teresa, you and I are a couple of, shall I say lapsed, shall I say long time, uh, baptized, that's official, baptized yeah. Catholics. And we have a Presbyterian sitting across from me here. 
Uh, I think Benny is with the unwashed heathen community, and that's cool too. We're not here to judge. There, but when we talk about Good Friday, I remember having been a parochial school kid for the first six grades, what Good Friday meant, and with what trepidation and a sense of growing guilt, I anticipated Good Friday each year. How did it go for you? Yeah, um, you know, I kind of never really got why we were calling it Good Friday. I think I, I was always a little stumped on that. Well, wait, this was the day he was crucified, right? And, and geez, what, they, they couldn't have thought that was good. I mean, I guess some people in the crowd thought it was good. Um, the one with the hammer, but uh, not, not the most people. So I was always a little confused with the word of it. And, um, and two, as I started studying the Bible a little more, was even more confused because the stories contradict themselves so much in the Bible. Um, and, and today I reconcile that just fine. But um, I think I was confused a lot as a kid. And, and what I really knew is that I was going to get a new pretty dress and my dress would match my mother's dress and my little sister's dress. And, and uh, we would have matching shoes. My mother made them. Oh, my God. I could just tell you the array of clothes. You know, one year we had little those little balls that hung on, you know, like they were on a line and little fuzzy balls. They were on the bottom of our dress and we had them on a poncho. <laughs> it was just um, it was a spectacular show. Easter was a spectacular show in the uh, Catholic Church. And those are really the kinds of things that I remember mostly from it. Um, and, you know, um, the idea of Easter egg hunts and all that, that goes way back. That goes back before Jesus. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Springtime. Your, your yeah. background, your, your uh, young child background so, sounds an awful like, like mine, Teresa, because my mother did the same thing. She was a seamstress and yeah. she would make us matching dresses. Yes. She and my sister and I, we all had matching dresses. Yes. And uh, it was a time when we made sure we had our white gloves and our, yes. our you know, black patent leather shoes and right. and, uh, and usually it was an Easter dinner afterwards at my grandparents' <laughs> house. So it was a time to dress up. One of the things like, since I did not grow up Catholic, I didn't have all that uh, Catholic ritual that went with my upbringing. Mm -hmm. But I do remember distinctly, my mom saying to me one time that it always rained on Good Friday. Now, as an adult, I say that can't possibly be true. But what she passed along and her recollection and what she said to me was it always rained on Friday as though to know that this was a sad day. You know, Friday was a sad day. And, and interestingly enough, my mother was a, a quite a religious person when she was younger and she would take herself to church after her parents stopped going and which involved, uh, you know, a, a bus uh, for a, a very young girl going into the city of Chicago. And, um, and I said to Gary, she would have made a good Catholic if she had known about that religion, because she was that kind of a religious person. And she, she prayed her whole life, even though she was not a churchgoer into her middle and later years, she always had a set of prayer cards that she kept yeah. with her. 
She made them for herself. She wrapped them in a ribbon. She put them in her purse and she would take them out in six, eight, 10 months, look at them and she'd say, oh, all my prayers got answered. And then she would sit and write some new ones. Uh, and so she was religious in that way. She wasn't uh, righteous, the type where, you know, she would hold it over you, but just in her way, she had a very close relationship with the divine. And it's yeah. interesting to me that uh, we have all as adults chosen our religion. Now there was the religion that you're handed, then there's the religion that you choose. And so, you know, each of us, on our own have come to um, the uh, religious science teachings, the science of mind teachings and said, well, that makes sense to me. And, and so we're, we're all of that nature, not having grown up Catholic, we didn't have the fish on Friday thing going on. <laughs> but I said to Gary this morning, just as an act of symbolism and ritual, why don't we have a fish dinner tonight? And he said that would be a good idea. So I wanted to ask you, like in your life and in your experience and maybe other people you know, what is that effect or importance of ritual and symbolism in people's ongoing day-to-day -day lives? What have you found? I believe it's essential. I, I made a note when you were talking. I love that ritual idea of the um, prayer cards and having a ribbon around it. That ribbon symbolizes the, 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 the special nature, the reverence of what she has there to me. She's tying a bow on it. It's, it's so special. It's so sacred. And, and for me personally, I love ritual. Growing up in the Catholic Church, I am very used to that. And so, um, you, you know, I have, a, I have bowls that I, you know, sometimes I'll use when I'm right before I'm starting something of importance, whether it's my meditation, my daily meditation, or it's the Sunday service. And now that we're doing that service online and have been for over a year, I still have a ritual before that camera goes on. Before Bobby says, one, two, three, you're on. You know, I've lit a candle. I've hit the bowl a few times. The resonance of the sound of the bowl simply washes over me, brings me into the present moment. I, I feel it's essential and I love it. And, and it, to me, our rituals are a reminder of the reverence of life. Mm, it's the well reminders said. of the reverence. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm gonna eat fish too. I love that. <laughs> you know, well, it's a good thing to bring up because I like that idea Suzanne suggested. And I said, perfect, let's do that. When I was a kid, and you would have your own recollections of this, Teresa, there, but I dreaded going to Stations of the Cross. That was a Good Friday tradition with us. My mom didn't pray the rosary, except when somebody died and was part of the funeral ritual, the sequence of events, but we didn't sit and pray the rosary. There, but when it came time for Good Friday, we were there, and the two things in anticipation of Happy Easter were the uh, opportunity to stand on your feet seemingly forever while the long gospel account of Christ's entry into Jerusalem and the subsequent events around his death and his burial were read. And you stood for that respectfully, and you stood, and you stood some more. So when I was a kid, I just thought, okay, this is something that I simply get through. 
but then came Good Friday and to experience again and again on a yearly basis for I don't know how many years before I just faded out of that religious picture. The Stations of the Cross were an opportunity to remember Christ and, and what, according to salvation theology, he accomplished on the cross for us. And this was a real double whammy for me because I felt the guilt of my unworthiness and Catholics, whether they intended or not, are really good at inculcating that. And I told, I told a Jewish friend of mine here in town, he said, we Jews invented guilt. I said, yeah, you guys invented it. We mass marketed it. <laughs> so this, there's this sense of guilt and unworthiness, which didn't, helped me in my personal growth at all. I, I just felt bad. And then there was this um, mournful passage after passage, all the stations of the cross, at the end of which there was death and the overwhelming sadness and the feeling of shock and failure that must have overwhelmed the followers of Christ on that terrible day. And it wasn't a good Friday, as you pointed out. Nothing good about it from their point of view. They were like scared rabbits. And they were in mortal terror as well they should have been. And so I look at that and I think there's got to be a different way of looking at this, a different way of either celebrating it or at least commemorating it. And now, you know, in addition to uh, the ritual meal of the fish, the larger question for me is how to reimagine Good Friday and the whole Easter story in a way that becomes more intimate to individuals in the 21st century? How would you go about reinventing your life and being of more use to spirit and to the people in your community by reimagining who you are as an imperfect adult, most of us, in a world that is pushing you to fit into one category or one movement or another? I love that. Thank you. I love it. Um, first off, I just want to quickly say that that whole process, the way you described it was so perfect, um, of being Catholic and going and, and, and witnessing the stations of the cross and, and, um, the whole process. And I don't know why, and I've questioned this before. I don't know why I never really fell into it. I never, as a kid, I was rebellious and I never really bought into it. And I just didn't. I, I don't know why. And I was always in trouble for it. <laughs> it was just forever in trouble. I was, um, you know, confirmed late because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree to the things they wanted me to agree to. I, I, I didn't know how at, you know, whatever age that is that you're supposed to be confirmed that I would know that I would marry in the church. How do I know who I'm going to fall in love with? So I, I really struggled with a lot of that. Um, and I like to say today, Gary, that I have no guilt. You know, too bad new thought. We don't really, we, yeah, we can't use guilt. It might be easier to get people to come to church on Sunday and, and to regularly financially support the community if I could use guilt. But we don't, we don't use guilt because we don't believe that it's a healthy and productive um, uh, institution to use. It's just not. And um, so how would we reimagine it? I think first first and foremost, that we have to move away from the lit literal interpretations of the Bible. And for me, it's very easy to, um, to support that move because even within the Bible, each uh, 
if we wanted to believe that the disciples actually wrote what we say are the um, the books, you know, Paul and Matthew and John and Luke, uh, you know, if they, if they were written by who we, we, most people think they were written by, nonetheless, they're different accounts. And, and, and who, who was there at the cross? Who was there at the tomb? Who saw him? What, what did they see? There's, there's multiple accounts. So personally, I think staying away from that debate is healthier for me and the relevance to who is Christ today and what is the relevance of Christ's life to me today is important. And, and um, I think I completely agree that something happened. 2,000 years ago, something amazing happened. But to know that we have a handle on exactly what it was, I don't know. But those disciples, they were yellow-bellied. They were running, right? They were running. I don't even know who he is. They're pointing fingers. They're, nobody wants to claim the relationship with him because they were in fear. As you said, they were, you know, um, yeah, they were running. Well, something happened to turn them around during that time of death and resurrection. Something happened to turn them around and make them devote their lives to talking about the life of Jesus. Something happened. And something happens in our lives to stop us sometimes in our tracks and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm giving up this alcohol. I'm giving up these drugs. I'm getting out of this abusive relationship. I'm no longer going to live in poverty. I'm moving myself forward. Things happen to us. And sometimes I don't know that we can really even articulate it. But we have such a conviction that life will be different now. And somehow those disciples decided life was going to be different now. And so they focused on the life of Jesus, which I think we all would agree was of love, was of inclusivity, was of generosity. You know, he didn't see lepers and prostitutes. He saw wholeness and love and value. And can we take that extreme love that he lived into our own lives? Can we take the possibilities that he saw stand up and walk? Can we do that when we look at the conditions in our lives that are upsetting? That to me is the value. Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, rather than saying that was 2000 years ago to say, how can I do that today? And, you know, we, I have had several conversations this week about getting a new perspective with a, a girlfriend of mine. And, you know, the circumstances are going to stay the circumstances until you have a very different perspective about it. And, and when you get that new perspective, everything changes because you kind of move where you're coming from. And so when we're talking about, you know, sin and guilt and resurrection and redemption, I mean, it is possible to look at things differently in a way that really does shift them. And I know what you're talking about when someone has made a decision 
that things are going to be different and then they are there's a different quality to that decision it's not a reaction to something it's it's taking a stand and saying no more mm -hmm. i'm not going to live that way i'm not going to think that way anymore and that's it and that's very powerful but you know as, as gary likes to say so often these changes come through the crisis door yeah in, instead of us just deciding that we're going to be different right and, and, here, like and wasn't today aren't we commemorating a huge crisis today right you know, in good friday right Michael Beckwith, a wonderful new thought teacher, right? Michael yes. Beckwith says we're either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. Yes. We're either pushed or we're pulled. And sometimes I don't think it really matters if I'm being pushed or I'm pulled, I'm being stirred. And to me, that's the, that's the Christ within us all. That is God, the divinity, the, the incarnation, the connection, that inseparability that we have with the source of our life is there's always this surge, this urge, this movement within us for, for growth, for transformation. There's always infinite possibilities um, somehow dangling themselves, parading themselves in front of us, within us, stirring us. And so it's an opportunity. Easter is an opportunity, I think, for us to um, come alive to the that that wants to emerge through us, uh, uh, to lift us. Whether, like I said, it's greater love, or it's a greater expression of life. Um, you know, Jesus was filled with life, was he not? You know, he loved greatly, selfishly. He gave freely of himself. You know, he forgave easily. You know, so there's always that something that's stirring in us to move us forward in our own personal evolution, which of course, when we all do it, it moves humanity forward in our evolution. The, the celebration three days later, all, I'm always reminded about how something has to die. Mm -hmm. You know, now that eventually we're all going to leave this mortal coil, all of us. So we haven't yet met the person who's never died. But it's like leaving something behind in order to have a new life. Yes. And what what is it that we're willing to leave behind? I know there's the familiar you know, I, mm -hmm. I wake up, I'm in the same place every day, you know, thank heavens, I don't wake up in a strange place that I don't know where I'm at, you know, and so we have a lot of familiarity, you know, open the refrigerator, we know what's there, how strange would that be to open your refrigerator and find food in there that you didn't put in there? I mean, there's this familiar way, but something has to pass away in order to create a completely different experience of life, that that happiness, that Easter morning, those chocolate bunnies, you know? Absolutely. And so what, what would we allow on this Good Friday to pass away today? Well, if you know, Gary mentioned earlier, didn't he mention the, the guilt and the unworthiness that yes. came from his, yes. from his, upbringing that 
feeling that I am somehow a sinner, not good enough, unworthy. Um, and, and to me, that's not helpful in any aspect of our lives. It doesn't bring us closer to the people that we're, we supposedly love, you know, our, our significant others and our families. If we're feeling unworthy, it doesn't bring us into a position of, of, um, of seniority or power or position in our jobs. We don't move forward if we're not feeling that we're worthy of having a better position in our jobs. You know, I have to look at spirituality is not separated from practicality in my life. So, so where do I hold myself back? And that, that just that unworthiness, guilt, inability to forgive ourselves, to give other, forgive other people. Oh my God, resentments, anger. I mean, we can just go on and on, right? All afternoon about the things that hold us back in life. And we can just pick one of them if you want. But the unworthiness, that's a good one. That's the good one. If there's one, one creative power and presence in this universe, if there's one source and substance of all life, how can I possibly be unworthy? I am of it. And I so am of it. That's right. We and the source of all life are one. Right. That's a very encouraging note and especially something to be mindful of on Good Friday. We are visiting in a very meaningful way. I'm, I'm touched by a lot of what I'm hearing coming from Reverend Teresa Fieberts of CSL Cultural Coast in Sarasota, Florida. On the other side of a short break, she, the lady herself, will tell you how you can get in touch with her community and benefit from what they have to offer. Why don't we go ahead and take our break now, and we will continue this discussion and see where it takes us up to the top of the hour. We are Mansan Mitchell. Glad to have you with us and glad to have Reverend Teresa Fieberts along as well. We'll be right back on Manson Mitchell and AM 1150, Seattle's home of alternative talk. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. You pledged your life to serve, to make our country stronger, safer, more free, more equal. You worked tirelessly, made sacrifices, missed first steps and birthdays, 
lost loved ones. At VA, we don't see the setbacks endured. We see lessons applied and passion driving you upward and forward. We don't see all the masks you wear, but we hope you can set some aside. We embrace your uniqueness and won't trivialize your past, your fears, or your hardships. We can't promise to heal all wounds or wash away all trauma, but we do see hope, a path forward, a future. We see all veterans. We see you. An opportunity to help you achieve a new mission, whatever that may be. Learn how treatment works and recovery is possible. Visit maketheconnection.net. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Reverend Teresa Feeberts, who talks with us about themes of redemption, renewal, and reinvention on Good Friday, a day celebrated by much of the world. On Saturday, Carol Bromley, also known as the Easter Bromley, is passing out messages from her basket of goodies. Bringing you mastery and mystery, one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Bored with the other stations? Hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest, Reverend Teresa Feeberts. Um, Teresa, if people would like to actually join in on your Zoom um, service or get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, we actually broadcast broadcast live on Sundays at 11, uh, that's Eastern time. And we broadcast through Facebook or YouTube. So ah, okay. for Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page. It's, it's CSL Cultural Coast. Uh, same thing on YouTube. Or you could go to our website, which is cslculturalcoast.org. And on there, you can sign up for our email newsletter. And that comes out every Thursday morning. And every Thursday morning, you will get the links. And we do Zoom after our, our um, celebration on Sunday mornings where we get to know each other and, and, and talk and talk about, or we do a spiritual practice together or something like that. Um, so all those links are available through our website by getting our email every Thursday. Very good. Very good. CSLculturalcoast.org is probably a good yeah. place to get started yeah. and find that information. And then if you like, you can Go to the service that Reverend Teresa Feeberts lead, leads and see if that is something that you like to do. Good music there, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the point of Cultural Coast. So we are the Cultural Coast of Florida, which is Anna Maria to Inglewood. And it's known as the Cultural Coast because of the arts. Um, founded in the arts, we've got great music, great theater, uh, great fine arts. And, and we incorporate that into our services and our classes and, and that type of thing. Yeah. For a smaller town, I, I can remember when I first moved here, just being so thrilled that there was an opera, a ballet, yeah. a yeah. symphony, and too many um, painting and art places to even count up and down mm -hmm. the street. So it, it is very nice here in that and way. And lots of... People put money into that. And lots of great blues bars, too. 
<laughs> True. Well, that's True. a great blues music and rock. And yeah. Yeah. Hopefully uh, there is a jazz community here too. Mm -hmm. Suzanne and I have known a couple of the principals in that community, but we've never been to the jazz club. I couldn't even tell you where it is, but I sure hope to get there when people are out and about again. Absolutely. So, um, and speaking of which, this is about self-care. Ooh, I see myself taking a little spur on this trail. This will be fun. Teresa Feeberts, have you been vaccinated? I have had my first vaccine. I would love to tell you about the experience. May I? Please. Well, when I, um, when I got the phone call to schedule it, I scheduled, I hung up, and I was so uplifted so uplifted wait i didn't expect what i was feeling i had to really go sit and be still and quiet to figure out what why was i so excited to get a shot first time in my life i was excited to get a shot and i realized i had i was overwhelmed with a sense of patriotism and that is not a common feeling for me and that's why it took me a little while to feel into what was really going on for me um and I had a real sense of I'm doing my part, my duty. Um, I'm showing my love and in, in a real practical way that I believe that we are all connected and interconnected and interdependent. And in a real tangible way, I am showing that. And so then I went and got my first shot last Friday. And it was a uh, incredible combination of Disney World, military, and Soylent Green, if you saw that horrible <laughs> 1980s sci-fi movie. <laughs> because there were lines of people and everybody had on a mask and, and there were people that were directing you and you had to stand on this circle and then that circle and then this circle. And, and it, was, it was just so many people. And we were in a... a a mall that has pretty much been stripped of stores. And so it was eerie. This, there was this weirdness about it. But thank God for my spiritual practices because I recognized almost immediately that I had that sense of this is weird. <laughs> we're, we're all standing in line kind of robotic to go get inoculated, right? So I had this sense of weirdness come over me. And then immediately I was able to say, why are you here? What is your intention? bring yourself back into alignment with that. And I started looking at everybody like everybody's here to express their love and their sense of common good and values for each other's and for our human lives. And, and that we're all participating in this thing called life right now, doing our best, giving our best. And I quickly brought myself into such a joyous frenzy that <laughs> I actually enjoyed myself. <laughs> I got the call yesterday, Teresa. And I confirmed immediately for next Tuesday to get my first shot. And when I hung up the phone, I started crying. Oh my God. I had no idea I was going to feel so overwhelmed with relief that I was finally getting my shot. And it just, it overtook me. I mean, you're, you're saying you, you felt the patriotism. There are feelings that come up when you know, okay, now you're in, it's your turn. You're going to get vaccinated there. It, it was unexpected. And I said that to Gary, cause I was just sitting there crying in front of Gary. And I said, I didn't think I was going to cry, but there I was. I mean, the relief was just overwhelming. And so I'm looking forward to that. And I am still holding out while remaining socially distanced and even double masking at times. 
don't go anywhere public without a mask on. But I am waiting for the Johnson and Johnson one and done vaccine just because mm-hmm. I find it convenient and I get stuck once instead of twice. So I figured I'll wait. It would help greatly if they could straighten out their supply chain. <laughs> that would be most helpful. And so we'll see how that goes. But certainly I am going to be vaccinated in due course. And that leads me to my next point and why I brought this up in the first place. What do you say, Teresa? to those who may not be of the new thought persuasion, who don't think in the same way we do about these matters. What do you say when they accost you? You people are hypocrites. You talk about consciousness is cause. You say, change your thinking, change your life, yada, yada, yada. But there you are standing in line with your sleeve rolled up like a schmuck. I love that question. How can you talk that way and act the way you do? Aren't you being hypocritical? Yeah, no, not at all. So Ernest Holmes, the the founder of the Science of Mind teaching, one of our early thought uh, pioneers, new thought pioneers, uh, said that um, you can sit and say, I'm, I'm abundant, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, until you're blue in the face. But if you don't get up and move forward, nothing will happen. We have two feet because we walk in our humanity and we walk in our divinity. Step by step by step. We are human beings having a spiritual experience uh, or spiritual beings having a human experience. Sorry, I said that backwards. We are, and really we're spiritual beings having a human experience, you know, we're, and so we do both. You know, I don't, I, I, I'm not afraid of death, personally. I'm going to take a real big step here. I'm not afraid of death, personally. I, don't, I believe when I de- die, I'm going into the mystery um, on another adventure. And I know Buddhists believe that, right? Well, a Buddhist isn't going to step out in front of the traffic to defy, you know, they say this is non-reality. Well, that doesn't mean they go stand in front of a moving truck, Right. I mean, we, we're in the humanity. And so we, we treat and move our feet. That is the, the new thought lingo. So we, we pray. We use affirmative prayer. We use our spiritual know-how, our tools. We know our connection to spirit. And we move forward with that knowledge. I move forward with my knowledge that I'm doing what I can, how I can to participate in the health and wholeness of this entire world by getting my vaccine. And the whole time I'm standing in line, I'm in prayer and I'm looking at the people around me and I'm in gratitude for the work that they're doing with their human lives. Yeah, we, like we walk, we walk yeah. in our humanity and our divinity. Yeah. It's inseparable. I love what you just said and it, it supports the most common thought I have in regards, which is we all live in a biosphere. And in this biosphere, on this planet, there are people and there are other animals and there are organisms of countless kinds, including viruses, which do not have at the top of their list, the preservation of human health and happiness. They have their own priorities, chiefly to propagate. And so if I get off my high horse, I realize that as the world goes, it's not a big deal to be a human being. 
They're a competing organism that wants to propagate, doesn't mind if it drops over half a million in the United States of America, over half a million corpses on its way to propagating and mutating and getting stronger and hoping to survive despite our best efforts to eradicate it. That is life. There's nothing, in other words, religious about it. It's a matter of we do what we can, consciousness is cause, to take ultimate self-care, to be kind to others, to build something, to be creative in this life. And every other life form is at least entitled, as the world goes, is entitled to do what it will do, and we adjust and adapt accordingly. I can't think of a better way to look at it, and I certainly don't feel like a hypocrite. Right. And consciousness is cause is key to what you said. It's key. And so I, I want to go back to Suzanne. You said you cried when you hung up the phone. And, and I, I, I find that um, a, a probably common feelings. And reaction. We, yeah. Reaction. Yeah, we have yeah. these feelings in us. And if we aren't conscious, our feelings are driving us. Consciousness is cause. Our feelings are extremely powerful. And so we want to be tapped in and tuned in to, to what we're thinking and feeling as much all the time as we can because we're creating from that place. We're creating. So I haven't lived in fear about COVID. I haven't been living in I fear. Have. No, I, yeah. I did. Last yeah. year, I, I was terribly afraid. Uh -huh. terribly. I, I thought I was going to die and I better make sure all my affairs were in order. Yeah. I, just, I was terrified of it last year. Not so much this year. I've gotten used to it. And I take every precaution imaginable, you know, from mm -hmm. masks to distancing to, you know, all of that. So I don't, I'm not terrified about it anymore, mm -hmm. but I was. And so that was, that was my wiring. <laughs> right. Right. And I suggest probably what the tears were. It was release of that fear. Yes. Right. That yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, because it's in there. It's all, all that, all that's yeah. in there. And you know, if we if we we can even equate, I think, um, this to the Easter story in that, you know, there's so much fear around death in our religions. Yes. There's so much fear around death, even in the in 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 the Christian tradition. There's still fear surrounding death, and and. You know, Ernest Holmes, again, the founder of the Science Mind, said the significance of Easter is not that a dead man live again, but that a living man never die. And so what are our thoughts and our feelings around death and and um, and around living? You know, uh, Emerson actually gave up being a minister uh, in part because of Easter and the teachings of a dead God, in his words. His words, my God is not a dead God. My God is a living God. I don't need to talk about endlessly every Sunday about what happened 2000 years ago. I need to talk about where's God today? Where is my faith today? How does my faith sustain me today? How does my faith sustain me and my belief about life sustain me going through this pandemic? My goodness, we've been doing this for over a year now. I, isn't that amazing? It is amazing. 
And yeah. what is it doing to our psyche and our bodies? Because it, we, we, we put our feelings or in our bodies, you know, we're storing them in our bodies. What's happening? So I think it's really critical that we look at this, the paradigm that, we, that we're living life in because our life is more important to me, how we live than death. You know, the Buddhists have the, the uh, resurrection to the Buddhist is, is coming alive in the, in the teachings of the teacher, having the teachings come alive in us, living them. How are, how are we living our Christian principles or our, or our Jewish principles? You know, it's Passover too. How are we living these principles? That's the important thing. It's the important thing because it's affecting every part of our lives. This shot, going and getting the shot. You know, I'm going to do a treatment for you, Suzanne, if I can, that you're in a place of, of real receptivity when you go oh, to, yeah. to get your shot and not in fear. No, I'm not. I'm not fearful yeah. about the shot. Good. I'm really looking forward Oh, good. To it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. I think that's really important. Again, yeah. as Gary said, cause. Yes. You know, yeah, no, I'm, cause. I'm looking forward to it. And when I get the second shot, I'm, I'm scheduled for the Moderna. And when yeah. I get the second shot, then even more so. But yeah, I'm looking forward to my Tuesday appointment. Great. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Teresa, what you think of the acronym YOLO. Does that motivate you at all? Because I find that disappointing. You only live once. YOLO. And I will respond sometimes jokingly. My motto is, or my acronym is YOLF. You only live forever. <laughs> and the idea is if people look at this as the one and only life they're ever going to have as a conscious being on the earth plane, do or die, get it done or forget about it. It's one way to look at it and I can't invalidate it. I mean, maybe they're right. I hope not, but maybe they are right. On the other hand, if reincarnation is a reality, and I like to think of that as part of soul ecology, we go back to the source and we come back into this earthly existence to experience things, to grow, to learn, to share, all of that, to be creative. How do you land on that subject when, and I'm just teasing you with this point of view, that we interview any number of psychic mediums on here. We count many of them among our close friends. And what they indicate is reincarnation is not only real, it's not something that you really need to debate because if reincarnation is part of how life works in the human community, in the universe, then you don't need to really debate it. It's something that they are aware of, they plan for it, they comfort people with it, not by saying, oh, you'll come back, but because they think that's actually how soul ecology works. And it doesn't become a problem for them. It becomes a problem for people who live rather a constrained life as though there's not enough money and there's not enough time. How do you feel? Mm. Well, I've never heard that acronym. So thank you for that. Uh, YOLO. I've never heard that, but thank you. And I like yours, Yolf. Um, I, <laughs> it sounds I, dumb, I, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I like that because I, I do believe that we, the energy doesn't die. Energy doesn't stop. It, it transforms. Jesus transformed. We, we transform. 
Um, and I see it as the mystery, going into the mystery. I can't tell you whether, whether um, uh, life stops or starts or, or takes a turn and comes back around. I, I, in my conscious awareness, don't know. But in my um, feeling nature, I, oh yeah, we keep going. We keep going. We keep ex expanding and exploring. Our soul is expanding and exploring. And what I do consciously in this lifetime matters. It matters. Everything I do, everything I say, I think, I, everything matters. And it matters in this lifetime. And I believe it matters for my soul's journey. And, um, and intuitively, I feel like, well, yes, we come back. Um, but I, I don't believe that we have to debate most of the things that people feel like in, of a religious nature that needs to be debated. I, I like to take the life's unfolding in me and it's a grand adventure and I'm along for the ride and I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm doing the best and the most that I can with this thing called life, um, getting to know it and, and enjoy it that way. I don't feel like it has to be a debate. You know, I, Joseph, Joseph Campbell has this great quote where he's talking about um, religion and metaphor and myth. And he says, half the people think that they're facts and, you know, that their religion are facts and the other half of the people think that they're not facts. And the result is, is that we have, you know, some people considering themselves believers because they accept metaphor as fact. <laughs> and then we have other people that classify themselves as atheists because they don't accept religious metaphors. They think they're lies. But I think there's, isn't there, isn't there something we can do in the middle with all that, you know, instead of debating it and even throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as, as some would say, you know, where, where we can take metaphor as, as truth in our lives and live that. And so if we live as if, um, we get another chance that we have infinite time. I don't know. What's that do to the time I have today? Maybe it puts me in a position where um, I'm not rushed to achieve, but also maybe it makes me a little non-engaged. So I don't think, I think in the moment, I'm about now, about now, because consciousness is creative, consciousness is cause, and it's cause in the now moment. If I'm worried about what happens after I die, I'm not living in the moment and I'm not being effective with this opportunity and the infinite possibilities that exist right here, right now. So that's pretty much my take on it. Um, do I know without a doubt? Can I answer that decisively? No. Do I even, even really care? Well, it's fun to play in the idea of multiple lives. And, and like I said, intuitively, I kind of, I lean that direction. But my power and my focus, my concentration is on this moment, the day. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I putting out? How am I engaged with life now? You know, having given this um, some thought before, Teresa, um, the idea that you know, if I'm going to do this over again, then <laughs> I can be a hedonist or I can do, mm. you know, whatever I feel like doing this time, because I'll, I'll have another life to, to try on. 
-hmm. is one point of view. But there's another point of view that I have really been uh, thinking more about, and that is advancing my soul in this lifetime, mm -hmm. because, and we've talked about this numerable times, and that is when certain people come in with a very high level of skill set, no matter what the, the skill is, they are coming in at a real high level. And oftentimes we've talked about Mozart and Prince and, you know, people who um, come in, uh, a Michael Jordan, people who come in at the top of their game, that might take more than one lifetime. And so, you know, if, if, you, if your experience is to be um, a, a very loving person, you got to be working on that now. Yeah. And, and, it, and then even if you do come back again, you will have a certain amount of mastery over those things that you've given you your attention to this time. Right. Prince and, did scales, you know, and, and Michael Jordan's doing layups. You know? Right. And so, you know, I, I no longer think, well, this life is a throwaway because I, mm. I could do it again. This life is not a throwaway. I mean, it, I'm going to get all the juice I can out of yes. this one, but yes. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to ruin it because if there's going to be another life, I can come in at a better level. I can come in with a, a higher skill set. As my soul grows, as my skill set grows, you know, maybe my next life is even better than this one. And this is a good life. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the idea that that it makes this moment better too. You know, I've I've actually heard um, someone in my family say, we live this life for the next life. Christian perspective. I live this life for my afterlife. And, and someone else said, oh, no, I don't. I live it for today. I live it for today. I do yeah. live it for today. And yeah. my living it for today is probably setting me up for the next life. Exactly. Yeah? That's exactly but I don't, it. But I don't yeah. put my worry and my consciousness on the right. next life. It's here right. now, present, engaged, alive. Which I yeah. think is the best and most practical way to do it, in my opinion. Teresa Fieberts, the lovely Reverend Teresa, CSL Cultural Coast here in Sarasota, Florida. Give them once again your, your internet address so people can find you. Yes, cslculturalcoast.org, cslculturalcoast.org. And there you okay. can get on our email list. And join her, you'll like her just as much as we do. Absolutely. Aww. So now already, I can't wait for Christmas time and your next interview with us, your next visit, Teresa. <laughs> Thanks Love so it. much. All right. Stay tuned. Upcoming is the Christine Upchurch show, followed by the Susan Hireman Experience and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mann. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on KKNW 1150, your home for alternative talk in Seattle. Have a great weekend, everyone. Happy Easter. <laughs>